0: down. Um, I don't like skim milk. To me, skim milk is just water. And we're calling it milk so we feel good. But I don't like skim milk. I don't like, uh, I don't like um, coffee made with too much water. You know, you ever have wheat coffee? I mean, why bother? I mean, it's not doing what it's supposed to. Or you put some iced tea in a glass and you put a little ice in there And then you forget about it. And you come back later and you say, oh, I've got that iced tea I forgot about. You take a drink and it's like, oh, what is this? It's not what it used to be. Not what it used to be. Well, today we're going to talk about the gospel. We're going to talk about the gospel. And, you know, I think the gospel has been watered down over the years. Unfortunately, God didn't water it down. God tells us what the gospel is. But there's so many people out there that when they talk to somebody about their soul, they'll say, well, do you know that you're a sinner? Uh, you, uh, you want to go to heaven instead of hell? Then say, repeat this prayer after me, and you'll be saved. Well, frankly, that person is no more saved than a monkey when you get done, because he didn't understand what Jesus Christ did for him on the cross. He didn't understand that Jesus Christ died on the cross for his sins to save him. You know, the gospel is important. But the gospel, the gospel has been cheapened. The gospel has been watered down. And sometimes we need to be careful when we witness to people that we're not watering down the gospel. That we're telling people the truth. That we're being thorough with them. We're being thorough with them. You know, the Bible, the gospel is mentioned 98 times in the New Testament. 98 times. The gospel's important. The gospel's important. Let's just look at some of the verses. We're going to move very quickly. But they're all in order. So we won't won't have any trouble. And um, Mark Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13 and verse 10. Mark 13 and verse 10. Jesus said, And the gospel must first be published Among all nations, go to Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 5 and verse 42. Acts chapter 5, 42, and daily and in the temple and in every house they cease not to teach and to preach Jesus. Jesus, Acts 20, Acts 20, verses 20 to 24. Uh, This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, how I kept nothing back that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God, faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now I go, behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions... Abide me, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and ministry, and that which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Go to uh, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. He says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated. Under the gospel of God. Verse 9 says for God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. That without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Verse 14 I'm debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians both to the wise and the unwise. So much as in me is I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is a power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Romans 15, Romans 15 and verse 16 says that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God. That the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. First Corinthians chapter nine. First Corinthians chapter nine verse eleven. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it great things that we shall reap carnal? If others have partaken of this power over you, are we not rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Verse 14, even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Uh, Go to uh, verse 23. Verse 23. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker with you. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 14 chapter 10 verse 14 for we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure as though we had reached out unto you for we are come unto you for we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ not boasting of things without our measure that is of other men's labors but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according to your rule abundantly to preach the gospel and the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready for our hand. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 to 11, it says, I marvel that you are so removed from him that have called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you, which would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, though an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm almost done. But I know I'm belaboring the point, but I want to emphasize to you how much, how much God has emphasized the gospel in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, and verse 18 Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto unto all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me that utterance may be given unto you that I may open my mouth boldly to make known that mystery of the gospel. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 16 says the one preached Christ of contention. Uh, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretension or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, and yea will rejoice. Last verse, First Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 11. 1 Timothy 1, verse 11. According to the glorious... For whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind... And he's he's going on and talking about what's going on in the last days. And he goes, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath called, enabled me, that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. So the New Testament emphasizes the gospel. Ninety-eight times in your New Testament, the gospel is, is mentioned. And uh, sometimes, I said, like I said, I think we get away from the gospel. We're Christians. We're saved by believing the gospel. But we get away from it. So what is the gospel? Go to 1 Corinthians. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I think... You know, we consider ourselves a gospel-preaching church, and sometimes we need to be reminded and appreciate the gospel. Appreciate the gospel and what the gospel is. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which ye also have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, Unless you have believed in vain, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, and then of the twelve, and then it goes on down. But Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. You ever just read through your Bible and not appreciate what it says? Christ died for our sins. Christ died for my sins. That's the gospel. Christ died for you. Christ died for me. That's our message to the world. Christ died for our sins. But like I said, sometimes, oh yeah, yeah, I know what the gospel is. I've heard that before. You ever think about that? You're a wretch. I don't know about you, but I'm a pretty bad fella. You know, you don't know know what goes on inside this head. Uh, you don't know the things that I'm tempted to do like you're tempted to do. But Christ died for our sins. He died for our sins. Well, who is Jesus Christ? And there's so many times when I've witnessed to people, and, I, and I, you realize people in this world don't know who Jesus is. If you had an interview of all the kids that go to Auburn High School, and you ask them, who's Jesus? I wonder how many answers you'd get. How many true answers you'd get. When I was a kid, I think everybody knew who Jesus was. For one thing, I can remember my first grade teacher reading the Bible to us before class every day and having us memorize in first grade the 23rd Psalm and then praying before class started until some stinking atheist said, oh, it's not fair when I was in fifth grade and it it got kicked out of school. But um, most people don't know who Jesus is. But Jesus Christ is the gospel. Christ died for our sins. But Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. The world was made by him. Without, Without him was not anything made that was made. So the creator of the world is Jesus Christ. But the creator of the world died for our sins. The creator of the world died for our sins. And if you're here and you're lost, you need to realize that the creator of the world died for you. And those of us that are saved, we should appreciate that. You know, we have a bad day and we think nobody loves us. You know, everything is going rotten. Realize when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Now, that'll put a smile on your face. It should put a smile on your face. On the worst day of your life. Because you know what? You're going to heaven. You're going to heaven. But Christ died for your sins. The creator of the world. First Timothy 3.16 says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 14. 1 Timothy 6, 14. That thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and holy potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, which no man hath seen, nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. The high and mighty potentate is the one that left heaven and left that light that nobody can approach unto, to come down here to be born of a man, to die on a cross for our sins. Christ, that Christ, died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That Christ, he died on the cross for our sins. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. When the fullness of time was come, God sent his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. God sent his son to be born of a woman, to be born in a manger, and we're coming up on the Christmas season, and we're talking about Christ being born in a manger. But God sent his son to redeem us. He sent his son to save us. You know, he's the same one. You know, we sing this song, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. That Jesus, that Christ Jesus died on the cross. Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. But he died for our sins. Romans 5.8 says, But God committeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Isaiah 53. Go to Isaiah 53. He died for our sins. Isaiah 53 and verse 5. Or not verse 5. Isaiah 53. Verse 3 says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and esteemed him not, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He died for our sins. He died for my sins. And Christ died for our sins. I know you might think, well, boy, you keep repeating that. Well, you know what? I keep repeating it because it makes me want to run around the platform a little bit. Christ died for my sins. He died for your sins. And that, like I said, that should put a smile on your face. And if you're lost, Christ died for your sins. And it doesn't matter what the sin is, Christ died for it. He died for it. And you know, we need to emphasize the gospel. I went to a family union yesterday with people that are have all heard the gospel, but they all quit going to a good church. They all quit doing what's right, and their kids are all on their way to hell because they, they quit listening to the gospel. They quit taking their kids where they could hear the gospel. And now they're standing there, just a mess, just a mess. I don't, even want, I don't even want to describe it. It's just a mess. And I remember what some of them used to be. Because they got away from the truth of the scripture. They got away from having their kids in a place where they can hear the gospel. That Christ died for their sins. That Christ will forgive them for their sins. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also hath suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit." Christ suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. First Peter 2:4 says, "Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should, have li- should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye are healed." First Timothy 1:15. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Of whom I am chief. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. This to me this is one of the most profound verses in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For he God, for he hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let me read it again: for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of of God in him. Christ died for our sins that I might be righteous. My standing before God the Father right now is 100% righteous, pure, and clean. And I couldn't lose my salvation if I wanted to, because my standing before God is righteous. He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, my state in my flesh isn't always righteous, but my standing before God is 100% pure and clean. And you need, to be, you need to realize that. And, you know, people that think that they could go to church and do the sacraments and do all these things are slapping God in the face. Because God says, I did everything for you. He hath made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin that we might be righteous? That we might be righteous. And that's quite a state. That's quite a, that's quite a standing. That's I stand before God 100% pure and clean. And, um, you know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is, If any man sin, 1 John chapter 2, If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And when I sin and the devil accuses me of my sin, my lawyer stands up and says, Hey, I paid for his sin. I paid for his sin. So... Rejoice in that verse, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 5, it says, And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. In him is no sin. Jesus Christ was manifested to take away our sins, to take them away. But he took upon him, it says, the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Think about every vile and wicked and filthy sin that's ever been committed on the face of this earth. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Think about every wicked and vile thought that you've thought in your lifetime or that I've thought in my lifetime. The Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. When he went to the cross, he took my sin. He took all that sin. And if you're here and you're not saved, you hear my voice and you're not saved, he took your sin. You have to take the payment for that sin. You have to come to him by faith. Turn from your sin and say, God, take me as I am because you paid the price for my sin. You paid the price for my sin. It's arrogance when people say, well, my good works will get me to heaven. I've given money to charity. You're slapping the face of the one that bore your sin upon the cross, that bore your sin upon the cross. He made him to be sin for us. You know, in uh, Psalms, it, it says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In Psalm 22, verse 1, It says, but I am as a worm and no man. When Jesus was on the cross, you know, you guys know, we all know the story that the father turned his face away from him. And Jesus said, I am a worm and no man because I'm bearing the sins of mankind. But you just think about the grace of that. Right before the message, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You think about that. And. And like I said, that should perk you up. And if you're not saved, you realize that that John Newton that wrote that song, wrote that verse, that song was a slave trader. You're the bad guy. He was a bad guy. But he got saved and he said, "God saved him. Why? By grace. By grace." So Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and he was buried. But then he rose again. He rose again. Go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And verse 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark. Under the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth, and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and said unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, that other disciple, and came to the sepulchre. So they ran together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulchre. And he, stooping down, looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet when he not in, then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulchre, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about the head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in that other other disciple, which came first under the sepulchre, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture that said he must rise again from the dead, even though he told them many times. Then the disciples went away again, but Mary stood without weeping. And if you read the account she talked to Jesus, and she, and and he talked to her, and uh, she realized that it was him that rose from the dead. In verse eighteen, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples. And you read the other scriptures; they still didn't believe her, but she believed. So, Jesus, Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again. Romans four twenty five. Romans 4.25 um, It's talking about Abraham. In verse 23 it's talking about he believed and it was imputed unto him for righteousness and it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. But for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered for our offenses and raised again For our justification. A dead Savior can't save anyone, but Jesus did rise from the dead. He died for our sins, according to the scriptures, was buried, and rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And if you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19 says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Shall all be made alive. Jesus Christ rose from the dead to give us hope. To give us hope. You know, one thing, the older I get, the more funeral homes I go to. I know it's probably like you. The more people you know that pass away, and the more, you know, it seems like I go in stretches where every week I'm going to a funeral home because somebody I know has passed away. But you know what? I love going to funeral homes when I know the person's saved. When my parents passed away, I, we had a blast in the funeral home. We were joking around. We were, we were wondering, we were wishing that we'd put a squirt gun on my father's flower on his lapel so we could squirt people when they went by, you know, because my father was a jokester, you know, and those kind of things. Why could we do that? Because we knew he was in heaven. That's the hope of the resurrection. That's the hope of Jesus Christ. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. You know, if there was no, you know, and, and, and the Apostle Paul says, if in this life we have only have hope in Jesus Christ, we're all men most miserable. Do you realize there's a bunch of miserable people out there? Why? Because they have no hope. They have no hope. Because they're getting older, and they know they're not ready to die. Or they're hoping when they die. You know, I, God has burdened my heart. I, I work with a bunch of old guys. These guys are all old. I mean, I'm the youngest. I'm 68. I'm the youngest. And, and, and most of them, the guys in the town, you know, they've become my friends. And, and they're on their way to hell. Because they have no hope. They're in their 70s. I mean, they're not going to live to be 150. They're, they're this close. And, you know, that should be our emphasis, telling people what the gospel is. Christ died for our sins. What a message we have. And he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And because he's alive, there's so much hope. And because when we die... We're going to rise from the dead. I remember standing by my, my brother's casket. My brother died young. He was 61. And um, uh, my sister was just a mess. because my brother was a good guy. I mean, the nicest guy. I mean, we had farmers. And he worked with farmers. And we had farmers come in there weeping because <laughs> he was everybody's friend. And my sister was, couldn't be, you know, wouldn't be comforted. And her and I were standing there alone. I said, listen, listen. <laughs> He's in heaven. You want to take that away from him? He's in heaven. And you're going to be there too. What's there to be in distress about? Yeah, you're going to be sad. But what's there to be in distress about? That's the hope of the gospel. That's the hope of the gospel. That sometimes we forget. We forget the message that we have for people. Christ died for their sins, but Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures, was buried, rose again. What a message. What a message. But that, but sometimes, like I said, we get so shallow with our witnessing. When we need to be lifting up Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the one that can save people. Not... You know, you know, saying a prayer or doing something else, putting faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and His shed blood on the cross for your sins and for my sins. That's that's what'll do it. You know, if you're saved, just rejoice in that. Rejoice in that. You know, if you're here and you're not saved, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, paid the price for your sins. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, in him was no sin, but he took our sin. And all you have to do is come to the foot of the cross, and realize that Christ died for your sins. And he's alive today, and he can save you. And you know, us save people, we need to emphasize the gospel and emphasize and shed the light of the gospel, of the glorious gospel to people. You know, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-seven and 58 says, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, sometimes we get down in the mouth. But you know what? Our lives should be... Our lives should be run and influenced by the message of the gospel. Let's pray. Let's pray. Everybody, uh, stand to your feet and uh, close your eyes. And we're going to have an invitation and give everybody an opportunity to, to come forward. And uh, pray, or pray for somebody that you know, or just pray and say, God, help me to be more of a light in the gospel. Well, let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your blessing, God. Thank you for uh, the gospel message. God, thank you that the gospel message, God, is not complicated, but it's profound that the God of the universe became a man and went to the cross and died on the cross and shed his blood for our sins. God, I pray, God, that you would help us to be active in proclaiming the gospel, God, help those that are here listening on the air, God, that aren't saved, God, help them to see that Jesus Christ died for their sins and that they need to come and ask him, God, to save them, turning from their sin. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the encouragement we get from your word. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, the music's going to play.